0: Hey Dreamers, I'm Joe Pardo and my guest today is making her dreams come true by paying podcasters for their passion. Now, I'm a podcaster, I don't think it's any secret at this point three years in. Let's hope uh, not, since this is your podcasting. Eh? <laughs> well, it's, it's, a, it's a not a very good kept secret, if it is. Um, <laughs> you know, I... Uh, I can't say enough good things about the guest I have on today. I, I'm super, super, super proud of everything that she's been able to, able to accomplish. um, And the way that she handles life is, it, it just, it makes my heart sing to, to hear the realness of the fact that, you know, life isn't pretty and it's very complicated because we were just talking uh, we had a long conversation right before this and um the the honesty that comes out from this person is it it just it means a lot to me and in this that in this world that there are people that that get it that honesty is more important than beauty and um dreamers without any further ado i'd like to welcome this show jessica kufferman thank you so much for having me that was really sweet of
1: you too thank you for saying that That's really
0: nice you're very welcome yeah i i I try to try to you know give what i can in these these uh intros sometimes i I can give more than others depending on who the guest is i will say that i should have had you on the show a long freaking time ago
1: yeah i mean it's just one of those things where you just don't think of it i guess busy and whatever
0: that, yeah but i have had you on the map uh, the MapCon podcast um which you should go and listen to that interview because it was great especially if you're a podcaster or want to get into podcasting um anyway jessica why don't you get started i mean we've already been talking for 37 37 minutes but why don't I know, you... is it awkward
1: to introduce me after we've been talking like 40 minutes That's a little awkward it's <sighs> uh kind of funny. it's funny it to hear you do it you're like yeah we're in the middle of a convo
0: hi everyone yes <laughs> yes and 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 you know Jessica why don't you why don't you start by giving some background about yourself and then we can go from there and get back into our conversation a little bit
1: that's fine um so how far back should i go from from podcasting or like
0: how far back
1: should we let's, go here let's
0: talk like, about how you got to podcasting
1: career trajectory okay actually joe that starts when i was about four years old believe it or not so um me too how about that does it was tape recorders
0: yeah i wish i could yes. have those tapes back
1: the tape recorders but actually my parents well my mother really shoved me into dance class like at age three or four and um i was taking tap jazz and ballet um, on stage and, you know, it never occurred to me to be nervous or scared. And I think that's actually a good thing for you to do to your kids is like, give them a, some kind of activity where they're going to perform early. Cause then they have no concept of why that would be scary. Whereas later you do anyway. Um, so I've been on stage like my whole life, basically, um, acapella and theater and, and all these things. And then, um, I graduated, um, from college with a communications degree, started out in ad sales, digital advertising for magazines and newspapers, this and that. And then my mother passed away in 2005. And I really, I really don't enjoy sales, or at least I wasn't at the time. I felt like I didn't like when it got mathy, and you had to do like, well, if you call a hundred people, at least twenty will say yes. Like that annoyed. Like all of all the aspects of having, I think, a sales manager were terrible, and I hated it. And so, I had been thinking about quitting and becoming a graphic designer, which I know you are as well. And um, my mom passed away at age fifty five from cancer, and at the time, I felt like. I was 30 and I felt like, God, if I'm only going to live 25 more years, I'm definitely not spending it selling these ads for people anymore. I'm freaking out of here. So I actually drove home from her funeral and quit my job, took all my stuff out of my office and just went home and said, I'm starting my own business. I had been researching design, freelancing, teaching myself for about two years up until that point. It was just, I, I guess I needed a catalyst, um, to get going. So I, so I quit. My husband said, Um, you're not starting your own business unless you get a business coach, number one, and number two, start taking attention, you know, ADHD medication. And I was like, what makes you think I, you know, I mean, first I didn't know I had ADHD because I was diagnosed in college, but, um, you know, you kind of had a point that like, you can't be successful unless you are working with your strengths and handling your weaknesses. And and I understand, I mean, he loves me. He wasn't just saying like you're a disorganized mess. I'm not, I'm just like, I think when you have your own business, you have to be doubly on your game. And he was right. Um, We both come from uh, parents that have, that are entrepreneurs. He's not, but you know, we, we both live with two that were. So, um, so I did both of the things he asked. I started out um, graphic design. And then as you know, you know, Print people usually want a website, so I taught myself how to be a web designer. Um, social media came along, started using that. People would ask me how I was using it. I would start teaching them how to use that. Well, in that space, I started feeling like I was really missing something in my business. I kind of had wanted to do stand-up comedy in college, um, but I had kids really early, and you know, a mom with two kids can't be hanging out in bars every night telling jokes. So. I was kind of thinking, like, maybe a speaking career would be better, and I took, like, a comedy writing class, and I wanted to be a speaker, um, you know, like a more of a corporate-type speaker, and I didn't really have – you know, I – I, uh, you know, like, I, I wanted to do the traveling, but, you know, you have to get gigs and stuff, and, and so um, I thought, what if I – you know, I – Someone asked me to be on their podcast. Sorry, I'm stuttering. Somebody asked me to be on their podcast. And it was right around this time when I was just like, man, I wish I could start speaking. And it really felt like I was on, like, the Tonight Show. Like, she was running her own, like, Tonight Show. She had segments. We'll be right back after these messages. Like, the whole thing. And so I was like... Oh my god, I need my own podcast. And so for the next two weeks, like my whole the whole rest of my life stopped and I just like consumed everything podcast. I read every book, I took every class, I watched every video, and I was like, this has to happen. It was and so my podcast was Lady Business Radio. Um, it was pretty popular in its heyday. At the time, there were no other shows that were interviewing other women in business. Mine was the only one. So um, you know, really actually, it's funny. Um, I was thinking about how I could get more exposure, and then I looked at, like, the other podcasts that were out there since I liked being on um, Anastasia so much, and I noticed John's podcast, John Lee Dumas and Pat Flynn, and I noticed they're all only interviewing dudes, and I was like, well, these guys are never going to interview me. So then I was like, you know what? I'm going to have my own show. What am I thinking? I'll interview everyone else, and it'll be my show and my rules, and my and I love being the boss of everything, so this is perfect. Um <laughs> So like, so once I started it and it gave me the opportunity to ask people things I've always wanted to ask them, it gave me the opportunity to talk a little bit about my own expertise, like when they would say, well, I just know from, you know, doing websites that you can't do this without that, or I know from my branding expertise, and so I started getting clients, and then, you know, once in a while I would interview a speaker, or an author, and I was like, and I would say, you know, I've always wanted to start speaking. How I would even ask them, like, tell me how to start my speaking career, or I would interview people that were speakers, and people would hear that, and they would go, I'll ask her to speak. She'll probably do it for nothing, because she's never done it before, and they were right. I did. So um, I started out speaking for nothing um, locally, Philadelphia, or like, you know, pod camps and like all different like little things. And I was just talking about, I was never talking about podcasting always, you know, like design, branding, marketing. Um, and then, you know, after a year or so people started asking me how, how can I do a podcast? And I'm not really an audio engineer. I put together my podcast the slap happiest way I could. And so I was just like, well, here's what you do. And then more people started asking. So I, I did a course about it. Um, And, you know, Lady Business Radio was pretty popular at the time. So I started selling advertising because when I was in ad sales, I would put together packages of print and digital advertising. So I kind of did the same thing for my podcast. I was like, well, I'll talk about your ad and then I'll also post about you on social media. And I just made up a number. I didn't know anything about how advertising was sold on podcasts or if it was at the time. Like I didn't even know that that was even a thing. Um, And so, again, people started asking me, how do you do that? And it's funny, like I keep changing my business based on, I feel like I'm changing it based on demand, but also I get bored teaching the same stuff over and over. Like if I was still teaching people about like how to start a Facebook page, like I'd be in hell. So it's fine with me to start teaching people the stuff I'm doing because it keeps my mind. I feel like it keeps my mind fresh. So, um, anyway, I started teaching people how to get their own sponsors and what would happen was they would go with their beautiful media kit and their pitch letter. And then the advertiser would be like, great, let's do this. But can you tell me what kind of results I can expect? I've never done podcast advertising before. And the, and the, and the host would be like, uh, or some of them would be like, you know, um, how do you calculate your pricing? Uh, they have no idea how to answer those questions. And they would come back to me and say, can you just pitch me? And I was like, no, I'm not doing sales ever again. That's never happening. No. Um, But I also hated watching them bomb every time. It was making me sad. And so there was one client, Dr. Ginger Campbell of the Brain Science Podcast. She's my parents' age. It takes her 40 hours to do one episode. She does one episode a month because she's a, a surgeon and a palliative care um, emergency worker. She's a A brilliant mind and, you know, a lifesaver. And I was just, she didn't have the time to do it. She didn't want to bother with it. She gave me, you know, she said she had gotten an inquiry from HelloFresh. And she was like, can you please just, you know, I know you know how to do this because we've been talking about it. Just can you take care of it for me? And I was like, all right, for you, Dr. Ginger, I'll call the guy and we'll talk about it. And it was like... It was like my brain came alive, wheeling and dealing, negotiating rates, talking about the value of her show. You're gonna love her. Her her audience loves her. It takes her this long to do a show. She's so committed. Her show is excellent. It was like I, I was born to gab about other people's podcasts. I'm like I'm like the Ari Gold of podcasting all of a sudden. <laughs> like all of a sudden I was just like, let's hug it out. Ready? Great. Um And so ever since then, I was like, you know what, maybe – and actually, Katie Kramitzos is one of the first people who asked me how to get sponsors, and she had been actually bothering me for two years to at least do a course about how to get sponsors. And I was like, oh, God, it's all sales. I don't want to do it. But after that conversation for Ginger, I was like, you know what, maybe I should do it. Then I caught wind that another person in my Facebook group was going to do it. And I thought, oh, well, we should be partners. So I reached out to her to be my partner. And she was like, you know, I've had a business partnership that didn't really work out. So I don't think I want to do that. And so I was mad. So I started my own agency kind of out of spite because <laughs> I was like, oh, she doesn't want to partner with me. I'll show her who's going to succeed. I'll show her how, you know, how valuable I am because I thought she just didn't. I felt like she the way she said no made me feel like she didn't recognize the value that I brought to the table. Because she kind of wanted me to like take care of like design and branding for the podcasters, and I was like, no, 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 I'll show you how this works. Um, so for all those reasons, I um, I started my own agency, and I've had it about a year and a half. And the way the service works is, podcasters tell me that they want help, and I can either consult them to do it themselves. Help them grow their show a little bit or they can pay me for the service of representing them. They give me a list of who they want to partner with. I pitch them and then, you know, I I handle like all the negotiation and the invoicing and then I help them run their campaign and then we give them a report at the end and then we resign them. My agency does all those services so that podcasters can focus on. You know, the thing they're good at, which is creating the content for their show or whatever subject their show is about because you figure someone's like a pet detective, for example. Why would they also <laughs> know how to sell sponsorship? So it really it works in that way for podcasters. The industry is a little different, though. Like people are a little hesitant about podcast advertising in the same way that they were when I started out in um, marketing. They were very hesitant about selling banner ads, too, which is why I used to have to – package it with print because they were like wait what's an impression what's a banner it's supposed to click somewhere wait what I got that a lot at first so this is sort of an extension of it's sort of like full circle even yeah teaching people about like new mediums and sort of like holding their hand as they try it for the first time and telling them what to expect you know sometimes when a a, um, pattern repeats in your life like that over and over it seems like that's your purpose right like It seems like my purpose is to sort of push people into the next thing they want to do, either for their business or just whatever, because I seem to be good at jumping in with both feet and no reservations, seeing how it works. And then people notice that and they go, do you think I could do that? And I'm like, yes, everybody can do what I do because I'm a moron, right? So (laughs) if I can do it, you can certainly do it because you're brilliant and I'm just a jackass with no fear. It's great. So <laughs> <laughs> So but you know that's a repeating uh, now just even telling you this however long I've been talking it's a re- I can see it's a repeating pattern it's one of those things where like if you're constantly thinking like what's my purpose um maybe your purpose is just to keep changing so that other people can you can help other people catch up you know not you but me maybe that's it i don't well- know who knows <laughs> I'll stop now. I'll let you
0: talk. Joe. <laughs> no problem. No, I mean you—you've uh, you covered it pretty, pretty uh, darn well there. I right now you're
1: thinking I have no other questions for her. This conversation. No, over. <laughs>
0: no, 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 no. I've been doing this long enough to know that my next question is: Could you go into uh, a little more detail as far as when you? What were some of the first steps you took when you decided? Like, okay, I'm going to start up a a uh podcast sponsorship agency like so so like okay so you did the the first you know you you did the first uh for the, the first doctor. deal or whatever yeah, yeah the first deal for the doctor but like and after the spitefulness <laughs> after the spitefulness <laughs> um yeah. that which, was just an extra boost really has has that has that worked out has it worked out for the other person do you know
1: she and I actually collaborate a lot. I adore her. Yeah, I mean, she's the only other person I feel like on the planet that knows what I'm going through. So we often have little Skypes where we're like, have you been doing this? How do you how do you keep all your contacts together? Or how do you manage when someone's not paying? Or what do you do when a podcaster is too small? Like, do you have a template? We collaborate a lot. Um, we're very friendly and she's super nice. And so, I mean, yeah, I mean we kind of compared financial notes at the end of last year and she had sold probably double what I had sold. But, um, I was like, Oh wow. You sold a lot, but also you have to, I don't think she does consulting the way I like. I sold, I, a lot of my revenue was in, the teaching of how to grow because a lot of podcasters aren't ready to take advertisers. And so I did a lot of consulting work last year. And then also I had, you know, a lot of personal stuff that was sort of, I don't want to say holding me back, but it was, um, more of a distraction than I realized because when I did my taxes, um, I billed the same amount in the first quarter as I did all last year. Oh, wow. So that means things are going well. And I mean, I don't, I have not asked her, Hey, but, I mean, I did say, hey, I don't know about you, but I've done better this quarter than I did all last year. And she was like, yeah, I'm having similar numbers. So that probably also means that the industry is going well too, which is good.
0: Yeah. So your well, so yeah, your question definitely.
1: was, what was the first step after deciding to do it?
0: Yes. Right? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the first step was to buy a book about advertising agencies, or at least, you know, I bought like a Kindle book to see like, what their business model was. Like how does it work? How do they get paid? The agencies for their... dummies? No, no. It was no. like, I don't know. Where I mean <laughs> the books are here somewhere. And I I mean I really just used them as kind of a dictionary. Like I would look up invoicing or I would look up account management or I would look up business model. Um just to sort of see like how I should start thinking about what to offer, what should it look like. I started looking at well, actually, I mean, I'm a branding person, so the first thing I do is make a logo on a website, right? I mean, that's the first thing you do. Yep. You make a logo on a website because it's not real unless you have a logo on a website. So I did that first. Then I bought the books. Um,
0: got to be see Facebook a... official too.
1: Yeah, and Twitter. Yep. So then um, – yeah, of course. And so then I was like – Okay, now, am I offering the right things? Do I need to get into this area? I don't, I mean, I knew I didn't want to do design anymore, but you know, an ad agency technically could help with that stuff, but I really didn't want to do it anymore because it's very time consuming. And when you're supposed to be doing sales, you can't also spend four, you know, four hours on a plugin that isn't working properly. It's just not a good use of my time. So um, I started, you know, making a list of the things that, I wanted to focus on what are the things that I could potentially outsource eventually? What are the things that needed to happen in order for the business to be successful quickly? What did I want to start looking at long-term? Like I just kind of like brain dumped in an organized fashion. I brain dumped all of these things. Um, where would I get clients? How many could I take? Where would I get advertisers? Um, you know, and I, and I, I mean, it was like, it was like, Sludging through the mud Like my idea was You give me a list of companies And I'll find their names Like you can just Google the Like the CMO of Target They don't want to be found So I realized That like if I had three shows That I was representing And I spent a full week Trying to find the names And I was like This is not going to work Because I can't do all this research and still, I'm not selling anything. All I'm doing is Googling and like looking up databases and, and, and email addresses. So then I looked on Upwork to see if there was somebody who specialized in lead lists and there was. And so I hired someone to help me with the lead list so I could start calling these people and asking them what they thought about podcast advertising. And that way I was able to take on more podcasters. And then when I started to get uh, my, my goal at the beginning was, you know, at first your client's going to be the podcaster cause they're the ones that want the ads. But eventually what you really want is a list of advertisers that want spots because podcasters are always going to want money, but the trick is going to be who's spending it. That's who you want as your client, not who needs it. Right. But who has it? So, um, so I've always had that end goal in mind, but yeah, I mean, it took a lot of like, it took a lot of like mental with before any project, doesn't it take a, like a, at least two weeks of you mulling over in your head, like what needs to be done? How do you do that? Googling it, thinking about it some more as you're like working out or driving in the car. So there's a lot of that before I actually sat down and was like, okay, I need to work on this. And that's when I sort of started organizing everything.
0: Yeah, I'd agree. I think um, when – when I, I know when I get the, an idea, the first thing I do is I go and I Google it. Like I yeah. had an idea for a, a, a third self-development book and you know what I did when I woke up out of a sleep because I envisioned it? I Googled it to see if anybody had thought of this idea that I came up with and it didn't look like I, anybody did. And then awesome. So I put it together, a couple pages of it together and I showed it to some people and they were like, I've never seen anything like this. And I'm like – Great. That's that, uh, great. I'm going to be able to accomplish what I wanted to do because no one apparently has done anything like this before. Right. So it's super, pump, you know, it gets you super pumped. And um, but yeah, I would say a lot of people that like in those positions don't want to be found.
1: <laughs> right. Right. No, they, of course they don't. Um, and and some of them have gotten angry because I've emailed them and then followed up and they're like, take me off your email list oh. or never email me again. <laughs> Or how did you get my number? But like, which is fine. That's like not even 1% of people. Most people either politely say they haven't tried it or it's not for them or they just ignore me. And actually at first that was the hardest part is like I can see that they're opening my email but they're just ignoring me and it it was making me have hurt feelings. This is why I don't like sales because it hurts my feelings not when people say no. I would rather be told no than – be ignored as a, or be considered a pest because, you know. In this particular case, I feel like I'm offering them something that they should try because it's better than what they're trying. They're already doing, um, but there, you have to phrase that in a way that doesn't sound like what I just said.
0: <laughs> well, that's where the marketing end of it comes into play, right? For well, that's sure. where and
1: personality.
0: Yes, yeah, but no, I I totally feel that I I don't um, particularly like sales either because I I don't like being. I mean, I don't like being told no in general, but, uh, you know, being ignored makes me feel like I did something wrong. Yes. Um, it hurts. Yeah, because it's like I, I'm not trying to do something wrong. Like I – you know, but people don't – Yeah. Well, I don't want to say all marketers ruin the world for everybody else, but, you know, in a certain But heavy marketers
1: think- have made it difficult for the rest of us who are sincere.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There, there's definitely people that have just like spoiled it, um, you know, driven it into the ground to the point where people are just like, "Mercy, mercy!" I don't, I don't want any more, and and it's totally understandable as a as a you know as a human being to not want any more of that that type of marketing. Um, but but yeah, it does it does think because it, it well you know what it does is it pushes us to have to come up with other ways to to figure it out.
1: It's funny that we're talking about this because. Um, there's a Facebook group online of podcasters who paid for a course of a famous person. I'm in that group. I don't know if you are.
0: Mm, I didn't pay for anything. So no. Okay. (laughs) Are
1: you in the group though of a course of the person who has a lot of people making the same show as that person?
0: (laughs) The person, if we're talking about the same person, it's the person who, uh, inspired this show um but you know i never i've only listened to one episode of said show ever Um, but you're not
1: part of the class or anything oh
0: absolutely not no okay
1: so i like bought the class for like a hundred dollars like before it was even began just to be part of the group and see how it was gonna go and and so i've been in it for a really long time and so there's this pod- so just to explain to your audience there is a podcaster who's very famous who d- gives advice to other podcasters on how to be successful.
0: Is that Dave Jackson? I think that's Dave Jackson. It's
1: not Dave Jackson.
0: Oh, can
1: do that, but it's not Dave Jackson. <laughs> uh, I love Dave Jackson, but this I love person Dave too. So so my realm is sponsorship right now and when people contact me and they're in part of this class they say to me um they say to me like, oh, you know, $18 CPM is so low and like I feel like I could get much more. And I'm like, but I was told that's the industry standard. Is that true? And I'm like, no, it's not true. Um, industry standard is much higher and that person has that because he works with an agency. Um, so if you could, you know, you, you can sell for higher. We can use your – there's a lot of other ways to look at it. So now the third person – yesterday, the third person this week – called me and and said something about, I learned in this class and I want to know if it's true. And I'm like, it's not true. So then I post in the group and I nicely, I said, listen, this isn't the industry standard. You should hit, try and go for 25. You deserve it and they'll pay it. That's all I wrote. Two different guys jumped down my throat about how I'm trolling for clients and that's total bullshit setting unrealistic expectations how dare you post clickbait and I was like listen 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 I already have a Facebook group twice this size of podcasters I don't want you people as my client I want you to take care of yourselves that's why I'm posting this but they're so used to that group being a bunch of needy greedy Mussolini's (laughs) <laughs> that they immediately jumped down my throat and I thought this they've just ruined it for everybody who's trying to be how All I was trying to do was say, You deserve more money than what you're being told you can get. That's all I wanted. But all of a sudden I'm like trolling for clients, like,
0: like, like there's why a would lack I do of that? podcasters that want money from their shows.
1: And I was like, listen, and, and and for one of the guys who was like, You're just trying to do this, I was like, Listen, genius. My the people I want are the advertisers. <laughs> I'm not trolling in here for you. I don't want you. I want someone with has money, not someone that needs it.
0: Come on. <laughs> but
1: it was just but then I but then but then the reason I bring this up is because it's exactly what you said. Like, how many people in there do the whole like can someone tell me whether or not my show sounds good? AKA here's a link to my show. Yeah. Can someone tell me whether or not I my mic is okay? Here's my iTunes link.
0: <laughs> you
1: know, it's just, they're very sneaky, and I and you're right. People are just like, I hate everyone in this group. You should all run away and die. And it's not fair because first of all, I'm never in that group, so I I I just did it out of courtesy because of how many people are starting to contact me with the same question. So I guess, I mean, honestly, it didn't really occur to me that an outsider or somebody who's in there all the time would be like, oh, look, another one.
0: You know, I think there's something to be said for like, no, I'm not worth that much. No, we shouldn't try to collectively, you know, raise the bar.
1: I didn't (laughs) even mean that.
0: No, no, not even you. I'm talking about them. Like, like at that point, that's such a self-limiting thought to be like, no, it can't be that way because- the the book of somebody that wrote it said <laughs> otherwise, right? That and and it's, it's like, had
1: a hundred thousand downloads per episode since practically the beginning. So selling at eighteen CPM probably is industry standard for a show that high. But when you have five thousand, you can sell it for a hundred fifty an episode. You can sell it for thirty dollars or fifty dollars if you have influence.
0: Right, and there are in, certain in a niche. That
1: have. Massive influence. No, no, no. There are certain podcasters where all they have to do. I mean, J- John Lee Dumas is a perfect example. He could switch to a. Sh- I wrote this in here too. I was like, John Lee Dumas could switch to a shampoo that included sheep excrement, and half this group would run out and try it, because he just has enormous influence over his audience. Whereas, like Dave Jackson, on the other hand, like people respect his opinion or whatever. But I don't think he. I don't think he is like. Meaning to or hoping for a group of people that, like, worship at the ground of danger. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, some people are just magnetic. I have another podcaster, um, Andrea Owen, from Your Kick Life. Her whole show is about um, self-help, self-care, mental health, being your best self, being okay with your flaws, etc. She happens to be Barbie Beautiful and she has like when she first did her she did her um headshots and like her like her graphics for her website and her podcast like she looks like a celebrity she's not she's just a a, a lovely woman from North Carolina she could totally be on any tv show right but the point is she says that the number one question she gets asked is what curling iron do you use
0: <laughs>
1: now why is that is it because it's because they want to be her they don't care. I mean, yes they care about her contact, her content, but she just has if she says I drink Tropicana only, I could see her them having a spike. She's just that kind of influencer and I think John is that kind of influencer. Whether he had 10,000 or a million downloads, whoever's listening to him is listening because they are into John. Period that is worth more money than like a Mark Maron who's just there to entertain you and then not engage with you again. Right? Like Mark is just kind of like, he's a comedian. I don't think comedians are looking to engage with their audience or start a conversation. Like he doesn't care. He wants to interview his friends and go drink a beer. So the influence is only great because the audience is great in number. It doesn't necessarily mean like, People are obsessed with what Mark Marin is doing and want to be just like him. I don't think they want to be just like him, nor would he recommend that. I think. <laughs> Do you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> I, yeah, well, true. <laughs> so, true.
1: So, but so the point is, like industry standard or no? If you have a show that's normal and not, you know, getting a hundred, you know, getting crazy amounts of traffic. Then you can stand to set your prices based on what you know your influence is and in your community and your reach. Like if you know you're very influential even though your audience is small – like she podcast. Elsie and I are another example. If we told everyone to hate a podcast, they would hate it.
0: Well, please don't hate mine.
1: But do you know what – you know <laughs> and, and I'm not trying to be – I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm saying when we have a – when we have a sponsor – and we tell people to like, – like Christy Hauser is a perfect example. She can't even be our sponsor for longer than what a campaign would do because she runs out of like, the ability to take work. She's so full. She's overflowing with work, and she says, I have to stop my ads because if I get one more client, I'm not going to be able to sleep at night. And that's not a bad thing. It just means that when Elsie and I say you can trust her, you can rely on her, you should hire her if you have this problem, they do it. And that is worth more than $18 per thousand downloads. It's worth, uh, like, 50. Christy's but, never even asked how many downloads, ever.
0: Well, because, I mean, you're awesome, and so is Elsie, so <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's we enough. we just
1: say, we think this is worth the price, and, like, whatever it was, if it was 300 it would be worth it after one client. If it was 700 it would be worth it after two clients. If Christy already knows that when she runs an ad with me, she's going to get five new clients... Then she knows that it's worth what we charge because it will pay off after a week, right? So it's like, so you as a podcaster, when you're talking to a potential advertiser, you can figure that out too. Like, like, um, if this person sells like ten dollar things, and you only have like a you know five hundred listeners per week, maybe that's not the right advertiser because it's gonna take them forever to recoup their money.
0: Yeah, yeah. You
1: know, whereas for John you know they will recoup it and within an hour of it going live probably
0: so
1: they're <laughs> so just a pet you know what i'm saying anyway i don't know why we got off this tangent i don't even know if your listeners are interested in it but
0: uh, well i think there's a lot of you know hey this is business lessons you from those dreams. Just and just i think there's <laughs> i don't care well i i mean i think my point was that it's like you know um let's
1: know your value. That's let's just get to that. Yes. Okay. We'll leave it at that. You should know your value. You should sell at your value. And if an expert says you are worth this or you're not worth this, if an expert says you need to sell um your client, your coaching packages at a thousand dollars an hour, you better make sure that your client is gonna get a thousand dollars worth of good advice. Because yep. if they're not gonna make it back by what you tell them, then knock it down to two fifty. And vice versa. If you know they're going to make $10,000 based on what you're saying, then you better charge a 1000 Right? Yeah. That's what I meant. So you can delete the other stuff about the CPM because nobody understands that anyway.
0: Uh, I don't, we don't edit this show. Oh, you don't? Well, then I'm, <laughs> Who's well, let got me time on? for that? Come on, Jess. Okay,
1: the listeners, I apologize for going off on a tangent that you did not care about if that was the case for you.
0: I'm i sorry. Well – that's okay. I think there's a lot to be to be taken <laughs> away from there. Other than the fact that we, you know, yeah. Okay. Next question.
1: Next question. How Sorry. did your family
0: take you taking on this new direction uh, uh for a business?
1: The agency part the or agency? just the agency. A- um Uh so Scott is Scott is a man driven by worry. Um, he, he's just a naturally anxious type of dude, uh, which is why he's probably the only person in his family that is not an entrepreneur. Cause I don't think he could stomach it without Tums every night. Like he just is an anxious person, um, for whatever reason. So that said, I have over the years and really from the beginning, but proven over the years that when I have an idea and it works, it pays off. So when I told him I was going to start this agency, you know, this is after 10 years of him helping support my business and me telling him it's taking off and it's going to get better and whatever. Like, you know, I keep promising him I'm going to be a millionaire any minute now.
0: And you you are. That minute just might not be this minute, but.
1: Well, even if I'm not, that's not the important part. The important part is we'll always have enough money. I'll always make sure that we have enough money, even if it means I have to get a job, whatever. Um, but I had this idea for the agency, and he thought it was a brilliant idea. Um, and he was like, well, what's going to happen with this revenue stream? And I was like, well, that's going to go away. And then, of course, he's nervous. And I'm like, well, how are you going to make money until then? Well, I'll – you you know, you know, and we kind of talk it through. But A, I think he knows better than to squel- squash my ideas. Um, and B, if I could sell it to him, I feel like I can sell it to anybody, to be honest, because he's the most dubious character I know. He's very much like, that's, you know, suspicious, but he's also in love with me. So it's probably hard for him. So, um, he's between a rock and a hard place because he loves when, you know, like, I know that he, he loves when I have new ideas and I know that he, you know, my enthusiasm counteracts with his curmudgeonly demeanor. And so... He needs me to be, like, happy and excited about stuff. But at the same time, I think he worries that I'm not thinking it through or that I'm not going to be thorough or that I'm leaving something out. And, like, um, you know, I'm a Capricorn. I don't really do that. I- I'm not really, like, a whimsical business person. I'm just an enthusiastic and passionate business person. And, they're- and that's different. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I – I think that I've proven up to this point that I'm a serious business person even if I'm excited and have new things going on. So, um, he was on board. He was on board and that made me even more on board because I feel like if he thinks it's a good idea, then definitely somebody else will. <laughs> that- <laughs> um, and then my kids, I mean, they don't, you know, if they understood what I did in the first place, maybe it would have made a difference, but they never have ever been able to fully explain and verbalize what i do to anybody either one of them
0: <laughs> and yet you make it work and that's that's the important part at the end of the day
1: you really need your kids buy in don't you just tell them like your cereals in the in the cupboard i mean cuz my you know my my daughter um who passed away she would have been 20 my son's 18 you know, they're more interested in, like, whether or not there's enough food in the fridge for when they get hungry. And otherwise, they kind of just don't want much to do with you, especially because you're always <laughs> asking them to, like, clean something, you know, <laughs> clean it after themselves or help with the dishes. You know, they kind of avoid you, so you don't you'll, – you'll get there. Don't worry. I, you'll get there. I'm sure though. I
0: will. I'm sure I will. You'll get to
1: the point where, like, your children will avoid you so that you don't hassle them. And that's where I am with the older ones. So, like, they don't care what I do. I mean, as long as – as long as their needs are met, and that's normal for teenagers, I think, anyway. So it's they okay. Got,
0: they got enough going on. Yeah, they well, enough on their plate. Um, so, so your hobby is picking fruit from the orchid or orchid? Oh, Orch- the orchard. orchid. Yes, yeah, that's.
1: Oh my god! I, yes, that is a weird. That is a weird hobby for someone like me, isn't it? Uh, uh it is. It's something you wouldn't um imagine, is but, it? But you know, it's
0: like it's like the comp- it's almost like the complete opposite of what I would expect you- from you. But it's it's interesting because it's such um a quiet, th- <laughs> quiet thing for you <laughs> to be doing, and and yeah, complete opposite.
1: So you, so in your head, when you think of me, you think of a person who's like. Super extroverted, running their mouth pretty much all the time. Is that about right?
0: Yes, loud would probably fit in that in that bucket.
1: So, the, so I'm acting that way with you right now, and that is generally the way I interact with people. But when I'm not interacting with other people, I don't want to have anything to do with that, like at all. So I often so, and it's funny because my in laws are, I think, all extroverts. Like my sister in law, my mother in law, like they can't live unless they're in someone's face talking, and <laughs> I and I hate it. I hate it. It's a zoo here all the time. So to me, so you have to, and, and like, I may be this way. I'm not sure why. It's probably the need for attention, to be honest with you. Like, I like funny things. I like being funny. Um, my brain moves fast and like, I, I like to talk fast, but I grew up in a small town in Maryland, Frederick, Maryland. Uh, my parents moved there from the suburb of D.C. to get away from their mothers because both of them were very like intrusive Jewish mothers. And they just I don't know, like for one reason or another, probably the housing was like um, less expensive in Frederick and like it was quieter. My dad was a teacher there. So we moved to Frederick and it was extremely rural, which is a hard word to say at the time. My mom used to joke there were more stop signs than Jews in Frederick. Um, one synagogue, you know, like, when well, I mean, we didn't go there for the Jews, but the point is a lot of farmland and my mom was an amazing cook. And so as a kid, we would get up, you know, there was always Tupperware parties, right? So like you'd get a big Tupperware from the, from the cupboard. My mom would put a spoke, my sister and I in the back of the car, we would drive down a dirt road in the middle of nowhere until she came upon, you know, like another dirt road. We'd turn down that dirt road, and there would be a bunch of people with their – and you get out of the car. You pay someone like a dollar or whatever, and then you go and like stand in the grass and pick strawberries. And I mean there's no – I mean it's so different now because here in Delaware, the orchard here, Lynn Villa Orchard, is like a whole to-do. They have like a corn maze and a whole like farmer's market, and it's like a whole thing. But the way I grew up, you just drove until – I guess you saw a cow made a left and then started picking berries. And, but we did it a lot. I mean, we did it a lot because my mom would make jam. She made pies. She made cakes. She would give the jam away. She would make presents and stuff. Like, um, she was a homemaker. Um, she didn't have a full-time job till she went back to school when I was eight. Didn't have a full-time job till I was like a junior in high school. So, um, this was her thing. And and we were little, we would go with her and it was just really fun. It's nice to, now I enjoy it because it's nice to be in the sun. It's nice to have fruit that isn't – like, I mean, have you ever seen a strawberry that wasn't put in a Driscoll's container in the grocery store? I mean, they're all perfectly with one point, but strawberries, some of them have, like, three points, five points. Some of them look like an ugly pair of lips. Like, to see an unperfect strawberry is like – it's like being born for the first time. You're just like, oh, my God, fruit isn't perfect. And it, it's like – but also, it's so much more delicious they pick out the ones that are aesthetically perfect, but some of the sweeter ones are small or dark or whatever. They're not perfect. So when you go to pick them right out of the earth, um, it's a totally different experience. They're warm from the sun. They're a little dirty. You take them home. You rinse them off. You know, you put them in like a little colander and let people just eat at them. It's so nice. It's a completely different taste. Um, so... I, that's why I like doing it. I've always liked doing it ever since I was a kid. And like, even though I've always considered when I was a kid growing up, I was like, I'm never going to live in the country. I'm a city girl, but I'm really not. I think that they beat it out of me over time because I like I like doing the orchard thing. I, I don't like hay rides, but like, I like driving to the grocery store and putting my groceries in the car and driving home. I don't want to take the subway with an armful of groceries and I don't want to schlep a cart around the city. Like that's not me. I don't like that. Um, you know, and I like quiet. I don't want to listen to accidents in police cars when I'm falling asleep. That scares me. It makes me unsettled. So I think I'm, like I said, they must've beat me out of it. beat it out of me. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So picking fruit, it's very cathartic. And I also think actually there's something very Zen about just slicing fruit and vegetables just to have like, not even, not even making a salad or like making a fruit. There's something very cathartic about like, Coring and peeling a pineapple and cutting it up and putting it in a a Tupperware. It's like very zen. You know, I can't explain it. I guess I'm not explaining it,
0: but. (laughs) No, no, no. I think you are. Um,
1: But yeah, I I don't like conversation. Hence the whole hotel thing. Because I was like, Scott, he was like, well, maybe I'll come with you to the hotel. And I was like, that's fine. But here's what I want. I want quiet. And I want like darkness. And so he's been on, like, prednisone. He's, like, trying to get, you know, trying to stay healthy and not get sick. So, like, uh, he's very amped because of the medication. So I'm like, if you're going to talk to me the whole time, stay home. (laughs)
0: Like, (laughs) I love you. And
1: I love talking to him. It's my favorite thing. But when you want to recharge your head, you don't want somebody talking to you about the latest app they found or what thing they want. You know what I mean? I'm really not a person that is going a mile a minute all the time.
0: Well it's, I you're it's, shocked. It's good by to know that you're, no, it's good to know that you're still human.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, if we go to the zoo this weekend together, if we end up being able to meet up, you'll see. Like I like I interact with Isaac, but I, I don't do like I have you ever noticed when people when you're out with other people, when they're with their kids, they're doing a whole show for you inadvertently. Um so Yes. Yeah. So I'm the opposite of that. I sit with Isaac and I watch the show with him. Look at that person. She's got a blue thing or look at that person or that baby's sad. He's crying or she's, angry. you know, like we, <laughs> we talk about like, what we see. We're observing. Yes. I'm teaching him to observe and not display. And, and I and I know even do it on purpose. It's just my way. Believe it or not, I'm more of an observer than a displayer. It's just that when I interact with other people, and especially on an interview, you know, I'm displaying because if I didn't, this would be a, a boring show. It would be it would
0: be so but it's never boring with you around and uh, no. yet another thing that i lo- love about right. you <laughs> and speaking of zoo we actually uh melissa said that we can she said that it might rain though um but if it if it does rain and it's really like crappy out maybe we can just plan to do something else
1: i would love that that would yeah. be awesome Please, i have
0: a, um so I have, we have the time open so so yeah
1: i have it um membership to the
0: please touch we could probably do that oh okay oh we have um, memberships to the aquarium so one oh. or the other yeah
1: yeah either one
0: yeah definitely all right yeah so there's definitely other things that we could do if if, it, if it's really that i mean it's like 40 percent chance rate but yeah whatever well yeah. We're, we're, the time is ours that's, the that's important right part. do what we need yes jessica what's been the biggest roadblock for you and and how have you overcome it
1: you know, Joe, I think I'm still overcoming it. Um, I forget. How much older am I than you? Like 10 years? Uh,
0: I'm 30. So yeah, yeah right. about, so about 10 years. About
1: 10 years. So. So my daughter just passed away from uh, accidental heroin overdose. She was an addict for about two years. Um, Before that she had mental illness Uh, Before that um, I was a single mom And before that I was married to Her father which is a gentleman That I Appreciate now but Probably wasn't ever really in love with Because we were just very different And um, I got pregnant with her my senior year of college And then her brother uh, Eight months after I had her So I had two kids before I was like Twenty-five, twenty-three and I got divorced at 25 Then I was a single mom Then I met Scott a couple of years later and I got married, uh, at 29, remarried at 29. And then my mother died a year later. And then I started my own business shortly after that. And I've been hustling ever since because when you don't have a steady job, you have to hustle. And I'm now at a point where I feel like, I don't even know if this is an obstacle. I'm not going to lie, but like, because I feel like many of the choices, like my, here's my life right now. I'll just paint a picture. Okay. I have a two year old. I have an 18 year old. I have a house with four bedrooms. I have a car payment in a city I never wanted to live in, <laughs> you know, like with a, and a man with a job that I met, you know, and part of the appeal was that we would live in Delaware because he, you know, he has such a big family here, but we don't really end up we don't like interact with them so much. Right. So I'm, so I'm now in a position at 42 where I'm like, which part of my life am I in control of exactly? Is it the part where I had a kid before I was ready? Or is it the part where I had a kid later than I wanted because we weren't ready because he wasn't ready. You know, like now I have a two year old, I'm 42 and I really would have liked to have a seven year old now, not a two year old, but, he wasn't ready or we didn't have the money or just whatever. Um, I have a huge house that I expected to be full of three children, and one of them is gone, and the other one lives with his dad because the school system here in Delaware is just ridiculous compared to where you live. Your Jersey schools are amazing, and and he uh, went from –
0: uh, listen, Grass listen, is always greener. <laughs>
1: listen, he went from practically failing to the honor roll. He used to have a 504. He doesn't now, and he's and he's graduating. And oh, that's wow. two years of being in Jersey. That's a big difference. I'm telling you, you don't, don't knock it. Delaware schools are terrible. So I live in, I live in, a, in a house with a tiny little boy in a huge house. And like, I've never really been able to travel because I've always had, you know, I've had children my entire adult life. Um, I don't know. I just kind of feel like a lot of where I am right now has not been in my control. I'm 42, but it's like, have I ever been asked, where do you want to live? Do you want a pet? would you like a baby? Like, I, you know, Scott was an amazing stepfather. So I always, from the beginning, was like, yes, of course I'll have a kid with you. But by the time I got to like 38, I was like, when is this happening? (laughs) I married you 11 years ago. Like, what's up? So, I mean, so I think right now the biggest obstacle for me in fulfilling my dreams is part of me feels like I don't know what my dreams are because I've never been able to think about it. And the other part of me is like, well, what if I think about it and it doesn't match what I'm doing? Then what am I supposed to do? I don't want to get a divorce. I'm not leaving my child. I, do, I don't necessarily want to move, but how can I make my life, first of all, how can I figure out what my dream is? And second of all, how can I fulfill it if it doesn't quite, you know, how can I make it squish into this box I'm already standing in? Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely.
1: Some people are so lucky they get to plan everything, when they have kids and what they do in business and plan each job so that the this job complements the next job, complements the next job, so that they can finally get that apartment in New York City or San Diego, Barcelona. Like I've never had that luxury, and as a result, my biggest fear is... I'm either not reaching my full potential because I can't think about what it is, or I'll never know what it is because I'm too busy dealing with the situation I'm in. Like, how are you supposed to know? You know, I can't think about whether or not I'd want to live on my own in an apartment in France because I can't think about life without my my baby and my husband. But then I also know, well, they're not going to be French. That's my dream. (laughs) (laughs) right you know i want to live at the beach i would love to go get a a a house by the beach and just live in the ocean whether it's here or you know in california or somewhere by the beach but like you know i I, so far isaac is you know not he doesn't mind the sand but um i don't know if he'd want to be living in it all the time and i know scott hates it so that's my dream how do i have my dream and still have it complement what i'm doing
0: Well, it sounds like a beach house would be a good start that you don't have to live in, but you could live in maybe part of the year.
1: Yeah, it would be helpful for sure.
0: Or not necessarily a beach house that's like, you know, millions of dollars or whatever, but but a house that is much closer to the beach. Because, like, where you live is not close to, like, any beach, if I'm not mistaken. Because, like... (laughs)
1: Hour and a half from Delaware Beach. That's the closest one.
0: That's yeah. So like, I live like an hour from yeah, Ocean City, New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: it's not hard. I mean, like a lot of people who live here have beaches. No, houses, so, it's not.
0: Yeah. But like, you could totally live closer where you're not on top of the beach. But you could go and like work on the beach because it's only like a five minute drive or a walk you know, a long walk yeah. or longer walk rather than just having a house. Cause it'd also be cheaper too. Um, you know, the
1: other thing is I don't live near any extended family of my own. I don't live near my father. I don't live near my sister, my aunts and uncles. Like I'm living near his family who we don't really connect with much. So like all of a sudden that's important where it never was before. Like I was still, when I had my first two kids, I was still in the stage of like, I don't want to be near my parents. Cause I was like 21, but now that I'm 42, I was like, I kind of miss my family. And I don't know what you know, and doing something about that just means making the effort to go there for holidays and it's two hours and
0: you know Wow, yeah. it's a commitment each way. Four hours.
1: So it's confusing. So these things infiltrate my mind and it's confusing. That coupled with, you know, and so when you start to so once you question like, what is it I really want out of life, then all of a sudden that is the roadblock. So when you ask me like, what's the biggest roadblock for you to achieve your dreams? Right now, that roadblock is trying to figure out if I know what they are is the roadblock. Because if I doubt that, once you doubt that you don't know what your dream is, everything you're doing all of a sudden is in question. Should I be having this business? Should I be living in, you know, should I, you know, do I want short hair? Do I want long hair? Do I want, you know, it's confusing. So, and I think that I'm in that position right now because I suffered a loss. And I think once I get past that a little further, maybe it'll become more clear.
0: I tend to think it will. Um, I think it, I think it's, uh, you know, you weren't asking the other questions that are in my mind that I'm thinking that you know, might be in your mind. What are they? Well, uh, you know, relating more towards your daughter.
1: Oh, well, actually, I was just going to say something about that, which is like, Now that she's gone. One of the dreams I'd love to achieve. Is to make mental health care. Preventative mental health care. More of a priority. Because I feel like had I. Had more knowledge of that. Had that been more of a common practice. I possibly could have. Prevented her from even. You know becoming as mentally sick as she was. So. um, As a result. I kind of want to do a podcast about my experience with that. She's been having some kind of therapy on and off since she was like, you know, four. And why am I the one that diagnosed her for the love of all that is holy? Why me? Cause I'm her mother. Or is it because I'm the one that bothered to figure out what the hell was going on with her and why she was so oddly crazy. Different, crazy, not bipolar, not depressed, not just anxious, different, different, different. It's different. Why is it different? It, it plagued me. Why wasn't it plaguing their doctors? Or, or better yet, like, why didn't I know what the difference was and bring it up to the doctor myself? Why did I have to Google for 5, 10 years? Why didn't I know what a symptom was of bipolar? I mean, people say bipolar and they just think you're out of your mind. Do you? I mean, can you rattle off the symptoms of that? I can't. All I know is back crazy. That's what's in my head. That's it. How do you know when you're depressed? Are you depressed? I mean, am I depressed because I? I'm sad. Am I clinically depressed? If if I can't get out of bed, that's what you say. People who are depressed just sit around in their bathroom looking sad with a gray face, right? That's what. That's in my head. Is that right? Is it when you stop feeling joy at picking berries? Is that when I'm clinically, like, how would I know? And I am telling you this, Joe, because I don't know the answers, but I feel like people should. After all my Googling and researching to help Emily, I still don't know. I only know about her thing. I only know about borderline. And who cares now? It's too late. I've only known about it for a year and a half. Big deal. I should have known what that was a long time ago. You know? Mm. You should know what it is. Your wife should know what it is. We should know. We know what fat people look like. We know what a heart attack looks like. I can sure as hell tell you if someone's having an asthma attack, I know what all that looks like. I could probably tell you if someone has jaundice, right, or or the gout, or, you know, I've certainly can picture in my head because I've Googled it enough times, right, or venereal disease or whatever, right? We know what physical things look like, but mental stuff is all a mystery because we don't think about it. We don't. Worry about it until it's too late, and and I think I, I don't know if she would want that or not. But all I know is like, it sure would be nice if that could, if her death could mean that other people and other families don't have to go through it. That would, that would be cool. Was that a dream? I, I hate. I even hesitate to call it like a dream.
0: Why? It would it, sure why, feel, why? why? I don't would know. It, it would feel
1: good. I don't know because it seems like dreams are the kinds of things like. Like, oh, like I've always dreamed of having my own, uh you know, album label or I've always dreamed of having my own talk show. I've always dreamed of an apartment in the city. Like most people don't have the dream. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a shallow jerk but like most
0: i feel like <laughs> i think you also just, think other people are just shallow jerks. <laughs> well that too but i always
1: feel like people like fulfilling their dreams. either that or you i feel like when when i think of the term fulfilling your dreams i feel like people dedicate their whole life to the one thing like if you're a doctor fulfilling your dreams then like you're in africa you know solving world hunger right like it's not a dream to just tap people on the knee and give them an aspirin that doesn't feel like a so to me. It's like is my podcast worthy of like being called a dream? If I mean, if it helps people, yeah, I guess so.
0: Well, I yeah, mean, I, guess so. I mean, if you when you say doctor, I hope you mean like doctor of farming or something. to I don't doctor know, doctor hydroponics just, or something like that. Know. Um, uh, you know, for trying to solve world hunger issues, I, I don't, I don't know that my general physician would be much good at at solving world hunger, but. Um, I mean maybe if he dedicated his his time to it I, I don't think there's anything wrong with with wanting to do something that um, opens people's eyes and, and having a, having a dream like that at all i I think that you don't you aren't necessarily giving people enough credit um, and and then thinking that they're they're you know cynical and shallow when it comes to just the dreams you know that can be fulfilled. I mean, look at all the nonprofits that exist because of people that had a dream, you know, that to help other people in some way, shape, or form that didn't necessarily align with make product A, sell product, you know, the the final product, which is product B, and that or like piece B, and then make profit and get Ferrari. (laughs) <laughs> you know
1: what if i never had a dream like like so i have a friend i have a i know a girl in 4th grade she was obsessed with horses she knew at age 9 she was going to grow up and be a horse veterinarian i mean all she ever talked about was horses she practically smelled like a horse and then like um you know i find her on facebook 25 years later and sure enough she's like a prize winning veterinarian and horse racer and like she always knew and like I mean, I can sit here and tell you like, okay, when I was a kid, like I wanted to have an ad agency like Darren Stevens or I wanted to be a rock star like Gem in the Holograms or I wanted to, you know, I never dreamed about being a wife or a mom. I always dreamed about, I mean, if the, you can even consider this dreams, uh, you know, there were a couple of years there where I just wanted to go to University of Maryland because I thought the turtle was cool or like I <laughs> wanted to be, you know, I thought I would like, I thought I was funny. So I wanted to be like a, a writer, but I didn't really know what I would write. I just like kind of wrote in my journal. There, maybe there was a little while there where I was like, maybe I could be a stand up comedian. And then I started writing comedy. I realized how hard it was, and I was like, bunk that. So I don't know that I've had a dream my whole life that isn't fulfilled. Or, like, maybe I'm is it possible that people don't know how to do that?
0: Well, to- if, there, if only there was a book called How to Dream Big and Win. I mean, I, you know, I.
1: Is there? There
0: is a book called I'm How the joking. Dream Big and Win. Of course, win. I know there. Is. I know that you know. So, and- Joe, <laughs> T-
1: so Joe, hearing what I'm saying, can you tell me, like, is there a part of the dreaming big part that I'm missing here? Is it because do you? I mean, are people not dreaming big generally because they don't think they can do it, or is it possible that I've just like literally never stopped to think my entire life, like, what do I want to do and be and feel and see when I grow up?
0: I hope you're not just softballing all this. <laughs> totally not. I okay, literally okay. forgot
1: that you had a book
0: because okay, I'm so, not
1: that good of a friend. So oh,
0: it's it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I'm so, not
1: softballing it to you at all. I, no, no, I mean let's now that let's, I know you've written a book that was a bit of a softball. But like, I would like to know, like, why do people not go the whole enchilada? You think?
0: Well, let, Let's break down your dream because the, the next question I, I generally ask is, What is your childhood dream? And you, you've, you've just told me that you, you wanted to be a rock star, you wanted to be a writer. Um, and uh, oh, what was the other thing that you, you said? Um,
1: ad agency,
0: ad agency. So, you so let's see, like, you, you have an ad agency now, you're yeah. a writer in the sense of sure, writing copy, yeah. um, yeah. and you know, while you're while it's not writing, podcasting is a form of of you know communication, communication, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then a rock star like you you've been a rock star to me since I even knew who you were. So yeah, and and in that sense of having a platform in which you're you know basically your stage, you definitely are achieving those dreams. I mean, we don't always know what it is that we wanted to be. So so you I don't know if you know this, but when I was six years old, I cried because I wanted to be a child psychologist um, to help other kids going through divorce like I was. Um, Aww, I'm on my grandparents' floor crying about this. And the reason oh I was crying God. about it is because, you know, the family business and I'm the only boy and I, I, I you know, had it in my head that I'm supposed to do this. Yeah. and. My grandparents took me aside and said, "No, you 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 could go sweep streets if you want, as long as you're you know do it to the best of your ability. We're going to be proud of you." And that had a profound effect on me. Now I still did that path um, of wanting to do that, but the reason I didn't go into child psychology is because I also didn't care for school much, and ten years of schooling did not sound great. Um, a few years later, about four years later, I found DJing and wanted to be a DJ. So it it opened DJing opened me up when, I mean, I, I didn't get to be a DJ till I was eight, uh, 17. Um, so that opened me up to a whole new world of like getting out of my shell and stop being such an introvert and, and in performing. Uh, so you combine that with, then I'm giving talks to, to kids and writing books to inspire kids. Um, and now I work at a nonprofit helping youth in Camden, Uh, get on a path for education and, and, um, and for, you know, a professional job career, like everything that I wanted to do as a kid has come true. It just didn't come in the form of like, I'm going to sit there and listen to what, and, and let's be real. This podcast, I've been told countless times on the show and after the show that people feel like they've had a therapy session after the fact. So, no, I don't have the education, but you know what? I, have the I do kind of feel that way. And the platform.
1: You know, it's funny because you just said that about kids, and I just remembered that in high school I always wanted to be an English teacher. Because I thought my English teachers were so cool, and, like, they. I just felt like I was learning so much about life from them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, no, I don't teach English, but I do teach a lot. So you're right. I mean – They did kind of happen, but I don't know. I don't think that I see that your path led you to this so clearly because at age six, you were like, but what about my dreams? And the fact that they may not come true or that you may not have had a choice was frightening to you. Whereas like my dreams were always at the palm of my fingertips. I just had a pick, you know, like, like no one, no one told me as a kid, I couldn't do anything that I mean my parent I mean a Jewish mother is going to tell you that you can be the president of the United States if you want doesn't matter how stupid or ugly you are right so like so like and I always joke about my in fact Elsie and I always my co-host always joke about this cuz she's catholic and she's a hispanic catholic so like her her family is always just like Shh, you're talking too much you're drawing attention to yourself and my mom calls me at age 30 and goes why weren't you on American Idol right <laughs> like it's just so different it's so different so no one ever You know, my father always said, like, I always saw you as, like, a Katie Couric type. My father saw me as Katie Couric, Joe. So, like, I don't think it ever occurred to me that I wouldn't be able to achieve my dreams until I had kids very early. And then I was just taking care of that. Whatever dream I had, which I was probably squandering anyway, was, um, you know, put aside. And so the concept of dream and dreaming just hasn't been... I knew this would be an interesting interview, actually, when you asked me because I when you said you have to come on the Dreamers podcast, and I was like, I may have even said something to you, like, well, I don't know what I'll say, but sure.
0: I think you did say that actually. And I was like, Yeah. You're probably like, what the
1: hell does that mean? Right. (laughs) But does it make sense now that you know that I've had a kid since I was in, you know, in my stomach since I was 21, and that dreaming kind of was like I was really have been just trying to make my life okay. Forget dreaming. I just want it to be livable. I don't want to live in an apartment with water bugs. I don't want to live with a guy who only watches horror movies, you know, and eats fried chicken with his bare hands. I don't want like, you know, I just was trying to get rid of the stuff I don't want. And sometimes you're so busy doing that. You don't think about the stuff that you do want. You just want your day to be like, okay for you. So I've never gone past that. Now that I am telling you this, I do feel like I'm in therapy a little bit because now it feels like. It's almost scary. Like, well, what if you could make it what you want? It's like, well, all right. It just seems so boundless. Well, we but need I to mean, deal
0: with the, the cards that we have, right? Like, we can't just be like, okay, everybody, I'm out. Like, well, you could, but I would highly recommend against that.
1: Would it, would it surprise you to know that I've always kind of wanted, you know, I've always seen those pictures of, like, celebrities in Africa f- feeding people and, like, holding kids before they get shot. Ch- I've kind of always wanted to do that.
0: There's nothing wrong with that.
1: I don't
0: not believe it. I I believe that. I
1: want to wear a white linen shirt and have a long ponytail and a khaki pair of shorts. And I want to go to Africa and ride an elephant with a with small, underprivileged children. And then I wanna, you know, like help them get health care and maybe teach them some games like foursquare and dodgeball. And then I wanna go to sleep in a hut, you know, with a mosquito net. I don't know why. I've always wanted to do it.
0: Well, I mean, life isn't over yet and maybe, um, if you, you know, to me right now, what would be most important to me at, at, if I was in your shoes at the age of 40 would be how, how am I going to get to 55, uh, 55, 60 and still be healthy so I can go do those things. Ooh, because because got- like you have a two-year-old so like realistically unless you're unless your husband's willing to like you know put up and say okay go go do go do that for you know two months or a month or whatever um which might be the case um but i'm gonna guess that that's probably not gonna be the case that's okay your goal really needs to be how do i keep my health between now and 60 so i can go do those things
1: actually another dream would be to lose 100 pounds somehow
0: bam there you go we're just we're just dream on top of dream on top of dream i think a like just wraps maybe you just bring
1: it out in people
0: <laughs> oh well thank you it is uh it, you know inspiring people to to be their best is uh it, it's something i've wanted to do since i was little so
1: how you, know. you do
0: it's how i do (laughs) yes how you
1: do
0: yeah so i i think that it's one of those things where it's like you need to really uh sit back and and take an inventory of like everything that you have everything that you want to have and what it's going to take because it it could take a little while too for you to find the right vehicle to get to africa obviously not real vehicle but you know (laughs) like the right retreat or the right um uh, I I don't opportunity. know opportunity for you to that fits that you could go and do something like that. And at sixty, that's not you know, that's not old. Um, you know, you, you should be at least have twenty more years before old. Why do I point. gotta be
1: sixty? Why can't I be like fifty? It's seven years from now. Is that too long?
0: Well, at you're, oh, you mean because
1: I'll be retired? You're, no,
0: because your your son will only be nine. So unless you're willing to leave or take your son with you, I mean, there's there's plenty of opportunity to do stuff like that. It's just a matter of how much you're willing to compromise to get there, mm-hmm. right? Because we have to make some kind of sacrifice. So
1: wait, to, he'll be nine. He'll be on his own by then.
0: <laughs> well, yes, as long as your 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 husband's willing to to take care of him while you're gone, unless he's going to come with you, in which case. I guess he's going to go live with someone else. Yeah, I mean it's
1: not that realistic of a dream. You're right. It's
0: not unrealistic, but your your sacrifice at that point would be like, okay, we're going to uproot everyone and go live in Africa for like a year.
1: You know, I have another dream. You know what? I'm just going to keep it rolling.
0: All right, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: I have another dream where the agency becomes like the house breadwinner, and Scott and I somehow work together, and like he's a project manager and developer, and I handle like the business stuff and then I can hire my sister and let her work from San Diego and pay her a ton of money to do nothing you know what I mean like I I would love to be able to have a family business the way my dad used to hire all my friends to come work for him in the summers and like I had to go work there in the summer he had his own business and like my mom was the accountant and like I kind of would love to have that as a business too but And oddly, he had a similar business where he found a technology and was like, you know, and found a way to make it work for him. And he had a, you know, a very lucrative business for a really long time. He used to recycle videotape and sell it back to networks and colleges and places who were doing a lot of video that didn't need, you know, it to be brand spanking new. It was a recycling business and also, yeah, and also Delton Media and like, but you know now it's known, you know at least among people who are forty two, it's now known as my first job, because he would hire my f- teenage friends to come over and peel the labels off the tapes, <laughs>
0: for
1: like eight, for like five bucks an hour. Everyone, I every one of my friends has worked for him in some capacity, and like I would love that. I would love to be able to like hire my kids' friends as like interns and teach them about social media and podcasting and out. You know what I mean? Like it would be great, but unlike my dad who had a brick and mortar um i don't have the i don't have you know things are different now i work all on the computer and it's just different but that's a dream i i, I think i could fulfill as well where he could quit his job and then we could go anywhere we wanted like we could all go to africa because it would be business by laptop you know
0: yes yeah. um no i i think that's very realistic i think that you know i mean we could have some conversations about how we you know how we could help you get there
1: Oh, i would have to make like a million dollars he 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 has a very high paying job in technology at comcast so can, you can imagine that for him to leave both the salary and the stock options i'm gonna have to like hand him a million dollars basically and be like here you go you know well, here's your salary let's do this
0: what well, is, he, is he younger than you
1: no he's 46
0: oh so he's older than you
1: four years older mm-hmm.
0: okay so then that's even that puts a you know even closer to uh to, to being possible
1: why Cause Cause, when he because
0: yeah because he could be you know, maybe he retires early
1: oh yeah that's his goal well, yeah oh you're right you're right
0: yeah i mean it's not, it's not it's like if he was 25 or 27 i'd you know or my age i'd say okay you're gonna have to make a lot a lot a lot of more money to make that happen but it's pot you know it's not impossible that's what i'm saying I, I i think we could have a conversation maybe we'll talk uh on sunday All right, let's do it yeah, uh, about about how we could help you get there. Maybe because I mean, you, 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 you know at the zoo I do consulting and work, then right? Changed my
1: mind. <laughs> yes, I. You know, I was just going to ask. I wonder if you do some consult, but then I'd really just be obviously softballing because I do know you do consulting work. Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, yes, I did know that actually, but um, you know, it's funny. I maybe when we get to the zoo and I smell the zoo, I'll change my mind about Africa.
0: But we'll. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I have some friends that you you know you could talk to that has spent quite a bit of time over in Africa. Get out, really? Yeah, seriously, yeah. One um one was there for quite a while. Uh, I think like a month. Uh, up and down all over Africa. Um, my friends Shane and Laurie, uh, for their honeymoon, they actually like traveled basically around the world. In fact, remember when was it? Uh, was it Taiwan had the coup? Like yes. Yeah, so they they were on the next flight like from China to go there and their flight got canceled fortunately. Yeah. So fortunately, they didn't go there cuz that would have not been good. Mm-hmm. Um at the time. So so yeah, so I can definitely connect you with some people and I have somebody that that was on a a mission there uh for a, a while. I I could reach out and see if she'd be willing to talk talk to you about it or what it's like cuz she lived in a in a house um, with a lot of like several other people um, in Africa, and and yeah, it was it was it, I, it seemed to me like, in my opinion or my perception, was a life changing experience for yeah, her.
1: That's what I assume. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, you're living in a house with like dirt floors and like no windows. I mean, windows, yes, but like no like screens or anything.
1: It's oddly appealing to me because. There's too much during our day that distracts me from the simple life I had as a kid of just living in a house, going inside, fireworks, and – I mean, not fireworks. But I mean, I meant like – in my head, I I'm stood seeing out. myself. Like, <laughs> it stood out because in my head, what I was seeing was sparklers on the 4th of July, holding the sparklers on the 4th of July. What type
0: of fireworks? Block
1: parties in the middle of the road where you just set up a picnic table in the middle of the damn road with, and everyone brings like a dish. Like I feel like Africa would – is a better alternative to like bed, bath and beyond, which isn't feeding my soul, right? Like, like your suburban life is bed, bath, Sesame street. And, uh, you know what I mean? And <laughs> casseroles and it's not feeding my soul. And I don't, I don't want my life to just be, you know, the, the minutia of suburbia. I want it to be, you know, helping people eat and read and live better. Without the distraction of this other crap.
0: I have some entrepreneur friends that live in uh in Nigeria as well, so I, I might be able to oh hook my God. Them up with you Yeah, what are you doing? You got a Rolodex? I do. That's what that's what podcasting does, you know. It 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 creates a worldwide Rolodex for you. It's true. You should know that. Come on now. You what now you're it? really softballing a bit. <laughs>
1: No, I do. Know. Of course, I know that. You're right, but it just, but just like it's like every time you open your mouth, I'm like, and then I have a friend in Nigeria, and by the way, there's a guy in Thailand. You know, it's like all of a sudden you're like, I know a thousand people in Africa.
0: Well, I know <laughs> me, three people in Africa, three people. So, you know, that's not the whole that's not the whole continent, but you no, know, but still towards me. True. It's more. Sure. Great. Yeah, no, it is. It's really awesome. Um, so I, real quick, I just want to remind everyone that I'm Joe Pardo, and you're listening to the Dreamers Podcast, and this interview is with Jessica Kupferman, who uh, owns J. It's JK Media, right? Because I'm the good agency. friend. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm sorry, what was it again?
1: JK Media Agency.
0: JK Media Agency. And we've been talking about – we've gone from podcasting to – really deep dry- diving into, into Jessica's dreams. And, um, now I, I really want to talk about what, what does the, I mean, we've talked a lot about what the future could look like, but what does the future look like right now for you? Like, what are your future dreams
1: right now? My future dream is to go to a hotel room and order room service. Um, oh, sweet. And then maybe have a, a bath with no toys in it.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> beautiful. Um, so the future for me um I see that my agency is growing. I see a lot of potential there. Um I feel like I can see myself shrinking weight-wise. Although I'm not always doing a lot to help that, I I feel it in my bones that it's like it's almost like um you know like bears get ready to hibernate like I feel like my body's doing that but the opposite. It's like I f- I can feel a physical gearing up to shed, if that even makes sense. Like I can feel myself getting more energy and like maybe it's the weather. Spring fever, you know, like kind of makes you want to do more stuff, but um I can feel a he- a focus on health coming into uh reality and um maybe having some free time once my agency gets a little more underway and I can hire and outsource a little bit more to go to the beach for the summer. I see Scott getting better. He's been chronically ill for a couple of years and he tr- starts treatments um, in a couple of weeks. So by the summertime and, and hopefully the fall, he'll be able to stop being the bubble boy and leave the house and not get sick. Um, and then as far as, you know, and I also see in my future, you know hopefully a really meaningful podcast that is both entertaining and also you know informative about life, about mental health and and taking care of oneself and and one's mental state i think i am starting to realize how little i know about it and how important it is and i should definitely start with my own mental health but as usual i don't know where to begin so uh, therapy. So I, so I signed up to do therapy and I'm doing my first appointment next week. And the thing with therapy is not that I don't believe in it or that I don't think it's, um, effective. The problem is that as a person who is naturally funny and on stage, I tend to want to entertain my therapist and not get therapy. So they ask me a question, I answer them in a way that I think is funny, they laugh, and now all of a sudden I'm entertaining them and not being counseled, if that makes sense.
0: Well, let's just reflect what's happened here in the last two hours of our, of our conversation. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that way about this?
1: Um, yes and No. <clears throat> no.
0: You don't have to just be nice. It's okay. What do
1: you mean? Like, do I – what's
0: your – Well, you said say no. Well, I'm I'm asking if you feel – like, all of that, those feelings towards therapy, if you felt that way about all the stuff that we've been talking about um, for yourself.
1: I feel – I can tell that my – I can tell that my mannerisms are different than an hour ago when we started the show that I know that my energy has come down, that I've become more serious, that I'm less like cracking jokes and like being funny, Jessica. Um, so in that way, that's why I said no, because at this point in the conversation, no, I don't feel like I'm just trying to entertain you. I'm, I'm gaining from this conversation as much as I'm giving to it. Um, which I don't always expect from podcast interviews. So that's a good thing. Um, so, do I still feel the need to entertain your audience? Sure, but not in a way where I have to overdo it. At this point, at this point, I'm just having the conversation with you because it's fascinating and not because you've asked me to be interviewed. Does that make sense? Yes. Whereas when I'm when I'm when I'm looking at someone face to face, the um, the what's the word? The risk is that I'm trying to get a reaction. You know, I, I'm right. I'm looking for for nonverbal cues that they are amused by me. Which is not terrible, but you know, and I'll get past it, but.
0: Well, clearly you have. A... Two yeah. Hours, I ha- but it took two yeah. hours into the conversation. But we're, also to not do on,
1: it. we're also not on video, though. So, I mean, I, I wonder if that's part of it, too. Hmm. You know? I don't Possibly. know. Possibly. I don't know. You know what? It'll be an interesting experiment because I don't. I do therapy. Like, I go one time and I'm like, I'm healed. So we'll see. I, I know that's not going to work this time. So, oh. uh, so I'm going to try and stick it out. And then also, I. I was meditating. I do some of that. Um, there's physical exercise that I've been getting into that I really like. That's been helping. And um, I don't know. Mindfulness. I don't know. Mindfulness is a weird thing. I'm a very mindful person. Let's just put it that way. I'm, I am I'm aware of myself. I'm aware of my surroundings. I'm aware of other people. Like I said, I'm an observer. So. I'm very much observing what's happening at all time. And to me, that's my way of being mindful is just like noticing like, look, this person is talking because they're uncomfortable because this person's here. Or look, um, this person feels defensive because as a kid, you know, it's like I'm always analyzing people myself. So to me, that's like mindfulness a little bit. Don't you think? Kind of? Uh, I don't
0: know. Yes. I, I think that it sounds like to me like you should make your therapy sessions for two hours instead of one
1: i should really make any call with you
0: <laughs> at two least two to three time. hours there's
1: no way that i'm ever gonna book one sixty 60 minutes with you ever again because in because in the history of our phone calls it has never ever been 60 minutes
0: i never. you are absolutely correct
1: you are you like this with everyone or just me
0: uh a few a few people but no yeah, mostly just, mostly you yeah mostly you yeah, yeah. We just
1: have that effect on each other.
0: It's funny. Yes, I'm so glad that I didn't have anything else booked after, Same. after this.
1: Same with me. I mean, I didn't know we were going to catch up and for so long and then talk about uh, this stuff. But, I mean, yeah, it's – fat. I mean, it's – the Dreamers podcast, I really – because, you know, I don't listen to podcasts as much as I – me neither. Deep, I don't listen
0: to, like any podcast. I don't
1: listen to any podcast. So to me, again, because in my head, dreamers are like you know visionaries. I really assumed you're going to ask me a lot of stuff like, "What's your dream? How have you achieved your dream? How are you living the dream now?" And like it would all be bad answers. But like the fact that you, you're a very good interviewer in the sense that you don't cut in where I expect you to cut in. You let me keep going and it like that's why I think the conversation turns so interestingly. You should be teaching the art of the interview, to be honest.
0: Whoa, 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 whoa.
1: Not gonna lie. I'm just telling you, that's a good quality in an interviewer to let the other person talk themselves into a corner and then you comment. It's brilliant. But (laughs) But so, uh, yeah. So well, I don't even remember what your last question was. Was it? it what it was about hell? your
0: dreams for the future? And you? Oh, the future.
1: So yeah. yeah, I I see a lot of things. I see a lot of things looking up. Um, last year, last two and two to five years have been really hard. But I have to say that, um, every single thing happens for a reason. And this little boy Isaac is. He's not just like I mean everyone says like oh your your kid is so much so full of joy they're so joyful and that's true children are joyful but I've had 3 now and um this is by far the most delightful child and in the sense that he he is he's like a little bit OCD controlling about his stuff but generally he is cool beans so like as long as he has his shark in one hand and a car in the other Whatever, whatever's clever. He doesn't care if he's eating. He doesn't care if he's sleeping. He doesn't care if he misses a nap. He doesn't care if we're in the car. He doesn't care if we're in the grocery. He's perfectly pleased to be doing and being everywhere. So that makes it very easy. And actually, if I tell him, nope, we're getting out of the car. We're going to the grocery. It's whatever's clever. My son, my other son. It was never whatever's clever. He's never whatever's clever. Nate always had something to say about getting in the car, getting out of the car, in the bath, out of the bath, in the chair, out of the chair. Like Nate always was giving me an earful of nonsense, whereas Isaac is always like, okay, mom, let's do it. Let's go. Great. Sure. Whatever. His favorite word is sure. <laughs> and you got to love that, right? Like you got to love that. But just also just that he's he's also a kid that's like. Because he's so enthusiastic about everything, the smallest things, he, and he also has a really good sense of humor. Like, he knows when you're messing with him, kind of, and he doesn't take himself too seriously. That, like, um, he he is, like, he makes the future brighter in the sense that I can already tell that, like, just when he's in the room, people are different. Sad people are different. Angry people are different. He can pick it out in someone and go, hi, like he strangers who who are obviously irritated or busy. They look at his face and they're just like, hey, buddy. And it's like he changes them somehow. He has like he's like magical kind of. So, you know, he's here at the exact right time doing the exact right thing in our family. And we're the exact right people to, you know, teach him to be his best self and, and take care of his dream. So it's good. I can tell it's good. Do you know what I mean?
0: Well, you know, it sounds to me like he came at the right, right time in your life. I know that you were, you know, you were yeah. at first you were disappointed that like you waited till so long to have. Always
1: going to be disappointed. I'm a very old parent, and I don't like it. I'm always going to feel like why am I so old and I have such a young kid? That's just never going to go away because I feel old. You're thirty. You have a kid. You know what it's like. Imagine being ten years older. It's terrible. Wow. It's they're exhausting.
0: You know, it is yeah, it is exhausting. I won't take that away from you. In fact, okay, Ava's, now call me in ten years uh, and say I don't know around I, here right now,
1: Joe Pardo. In ten years, you're going to call me up and be like, "Woman, I can't believe you did this at forty-two. Wow, I feel old." Even if your kid's ten, you'll be like, "This is oldness." And it's not like everything's falling apart. You're just tired. You don't have time for stuff. You don't have time for sh- you know, like every time I want to get in the car, I'm like, "Come on, Isaac." He stops and looks at the flower. Isaac, get in the car. Then I come after him. He starts running away, and I just look at him I'm like, I'm too old for this. I don't want to chase you, boy. Get in the car. He thinks it's hilarious, but it's every time. At 20, I would have just run after him. At 30, I would have just run after him. Now I'm just like, I'm going to stand here, or I'm going to drive away. Your choice. I'm not running because I'm old.
0: <laughs> well, you know, just, well, just,
1: just different my trick with him is if he wants to play games, I just go bye, and I will literally leave him. (laughs) And he knows it too. He's like, wait, wait. And I'm like, that's what I thought you said. Let's go. (laughs) The other two, I would chase them all everywhere. They, I mean, I was like full of it. You know what I mean? You're full of energy, but, um, yeah. So, I mean, when he's around things, everything, things are just naturally wonderful. He's a naturally, he brings out the naturally wonderful in other people. And, uh, and what more could you ask for?
0: Well, I look forward to meeting him on on uh, Sunday.
1: Yeah. Oh my God, you're gonna love him. He loves everything, and he's gonna love Ava.
0: Ava's probably gonna love him. Ava loves uh, other kids, and in fact, like we're uh, we go to the aquarium, and and she doesn't care about the fish. She turns to the people standing next to us and is like, "Hey, hey." hey. He's hey. the same
1: way. His teacher <laughs> calls him the mayor.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to it. Well, Jessica, before we wrap up, is can you let people know how they can connect with you online?
1: Mm-hmm. Sorry, hold on. Oh, yes, right. You don't edit. I don't edit, so it's, it's, I'm not holding on to anything. So awkward. <laughs> um, yes. If you'd like to connect with me, I am just cut from it on Twitter. I am just cut from it on Facebook. I am just cut from it on Instagram. My agency website is JKM agency.com i also have a podcast for women podcasters but really anybody can listen we didn't always just talk about podcasting it's she podcasts.com and uh i have a website jessicacufferman.com but really it's just like my resume and stuff it's like the most boring thing ever um if you really need to get in touch you'll figure it out how about that
0: Yes. Well, it seems to be that way, but I will have all of those at dreamerspodcast.com for people to check out and connect with you. And I hope that they choose to because, I mean, I don't talk to everybody for two plus hours um, ever anymore. Well, anymore because time is so constrained, but I'm I'm so uh, happy that I'm able to to do so here with you. And I'm really, really looking forward to to seeing you on Sunday, regardless if we get to go to the zoo or just – whatever we wind up doing i yeah i don't even care whatever yeah, we wind up doing you don't live that far
1: from me we can just go to lunch at a diner or something near you i don't care
0: lots of diners to do so i
1: know it i know it brother
0: yeah we could oh, oh we could um does, does isaac likes watching movies we could totally watch uh, uh a disney movie or something in the theater room
1: Sure. um yeah have you taken if, your daughter to a disney movie yet
0: uh do you take 13 month olds to movies
1: I I have not taken Isaac yet, and I don't remember how old Emily and Nathan were. Uh, I have to ask Nate or her or his dad because I don't remember how old when I first took them to the movies. But I'm a little fearful of taking Isaac because t- even taking a picture of him, is- he's always moving, so I'm kind of afraid.
0: Right? No, I totally I we totally hear that. Home,
1: his favorite's mon- he calls it Monster Sink
0: oh monster sink yes we yeah. should watch the monster sink
1: monster sink so you can come here whatever we'll figure it out
0: yeah yeah yeah. we'll, we'll see we'll see what the weather's like anyway yeah. all
1: right is there thank any you guys last so much for thoughts listening. if you've that... listened to all this time <laughs> i just want to say thank you because that means that i didn't bore you and that maybe you're learning something and so i appreciate that i just want to say thank you for your time to your audience
0: well i've, l- and I've you, learned of course something. you're you're very welcome is there any last thoughts you'd like to share before we wrap up.
1: Try and have a baby before you're thirty-five. That's what I'd like to share. <laughs> no, <I'm> just
0: kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it might be hard for me. Uh, as a male. I don't mean you, but... <laughs> but, you know.
1: Uh, too old is too old. If you think it and feel it, it's true. No, um, I think my final thought is for the audience that um You know, I don't I, I think that if you haven't figured out what your dream is yet, it doesn't mean it's not buried in there somewhere, and probably softballing you again joe you should call joe and he'll just like pull it right on out of you
0: (laughs) yes you could call me or or you could get my book i didn't even know
1: that that was gonna happen today but honestly it was effective i really never thought about what my dreams were and like i don't pay attention to them but i have to say that um it doesn't mean they're not i'm i'm relieved to know that there are some in there and that i'm not broken
0: so thanks. Oh, you're very welcome. And it seems to have come at a very good time right before you go and like, you know, relax.
1: Fulfill my dream of a good night's sleep, which I haven't had all week. So yes, it is good timing.
0: Oh, well, I'm happy to happy to help and happy to be a part of uh helping get you you get some, some stuff out of your mind before you go and uh relax it. Thanks, brother. You're very welcome. Anytime, Jessica. And if you've enjoyed this episode of dreamers podcast with jessica kufferman not only can you get the show notes uh, at dreamerspodcast.com but um i would be absolutely ecstatic to find out that you yes you the listener shared this episode or just the show in general with a friend that's the only thing i ask of my listeners yeah. if you're enjoying it and you and you, obviously you've made it this far an hour and 30 just do it. minutes it's not gonna kill
1: you it. just do it
0: share it with somebody else and and, and really know, it could change somebody's life um in a big way it might not happen overnight but it definitely could open somebody's eyes to something that they've wanted to do and maybe they'll take that trip to africa and fulfill that dream and maybe it'll end up being the way they expect or maybe it won't you don't know until you find out so um thank you again jessica for taking the time i really appreciate thank it thank
1: you so much i really appreciate you asking me it means a lot
0: oh you're very welcome Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Dreamers Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Dreamers Podcast. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Dreamers Podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the Dreamers Podcast, please send an email to j@jpar.co. at jpar.co. This podcast is copyright 2014 by JPAR.co.